to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And this week on the podcast, I'm going to welcome Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Purple Belt out of Delaware, Gregory Lopez. And I'm going to sit here and talk about some jiu-jitsu, talk about life, and just have a fun conversation. So buckle up, guys. We're getting into this. Gregory, how you doing, my friend? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I know. Thank you for um, just making time and and being flexible with schedule because we we did have to move it forward a couple of days. So I appreciate your um, flexibility and, and patience. So thank you for that. It's my pleasure. So before we start to record, we were talking a little bit, and it turns out that you know you're in Delaware, which is where I came from before I landed here in Maryland. So. Um, it's always nice to talk to um, someone from a similar area. It, it, at the very least, I feel like, oh, well, you know, if I say something, some sort of lingo or anything like that, it's like they, they like they get me. Like I'm, I'm not making things up. But even before you know going into you landing in Delaware, I want to talk a little bit about your jujitsu journey and where that started and and you know you know where it's moving to so when did you start training and what got you into it yeah so i was just like any kid i uh you know graduated high school and all that i found this gym down down by where i live jack's gym and this is like as old school boxing gym as you can imagine you know uh so i started taking boxing lessons kickboxing and i got really into it and um Came, came to love it. Uh, in high school, I wrestled. So I always had that little grappling experience. But, um, you know, I uh, joined the Marine Corps, came back. And uh, I think I went after my first deployment, I came back home. And, um, you know, like, it sounds like the Karate Kid, but, like, there's this 100-year-old professor at the, at the Jack's gym. And uh, Professor John, he, like, he saw me hitting the back one time. And he was like, hey, man, you want to you wanna, you wanna roll? And this is kind of like around the time that the UFC really is taking off. You know, it's it's like 2008, nine. Um, I'm sure you remember those. Like those, it was like the double digit UFCs. You know what I mean? Like UFC 30 something yeah. or whatever. So jujitsu is just becoming like a thing. And um, you know, I, I was a pretty good high school wrestler. So I'm like, oh my god, this I'm gonna, I'm gonna murder this guy. You know, like he has no idea what he's in for. Oh my God. And I just got like just tossed around. I couldn't even pass his guard. Um, he at some point was like, Look, man, just start off with a choke. Just, just start off with a deep choke. And uh, just reversed, uh, swept me, did everything. You know what I mean? He just, just completely annihilated me. And, and like I said, Professor John was just an older man. He was, uh, I don't know, maybe 60. Um, he's a judo black belt, um, uh, in a jujitsu black belt, um, from, uh, I believe, um, Henso. So like he was very, he's, he still is a very good, um, um, jujitsu player, but, uh, I'm like, oh my God, 
how do how do how do you do this this witchcraft you know so um obviously came back and uh started doing jujitsu from then on and uh you know like my jiu-jitsu journey was never like because i was young and in the marine corps i was never like there for a long time so whenever a um, couple couple months i would have i would uh you know go to the gym and, and train as much as i could uh eventually i uh i was able to train consistently and um and from there i i you know i i started going through uh the classes more often i started getting better this was 2000 maybe 13 at that time uh yeah i i got hurt on uh on one of the tournaments and um uh, i tore my um PCL, I believe. I got tossed, and I got tossed. I landed the wrong way, and uh, just screwed my 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 knee. And then um, a couple months later, I dislocated my elbow. So by that point, I was a blue belt. Um, so I was like, "All right, well, it seems to me that this is all I need." Um, but uh, you know, eventually, I I I, uh, I came back. I got a. I'm a police officer, and. Um, my particular billet at the time allowed me to have a more Monday through Friday job. So uh, I signed up for 302 and I've been going there consistently for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I plan on staying there for, you know, hopefully until I get my black belt, if not longer. But uh, yeah, like consistency is, is, is key. And now that I'm back on patrol doing rotating shifts and all that, there's no way I'm, I'm going to stop going um just because of rotating shifts uh, i'm thankful that like the schedule is is there's a lot of classes so like if i'm off of work at four in the morning and i get a couple hours of sleep i can go to the 11 o'clock class or you know maybe i can like wait until the four o'clock class or so on and so forth so that's uh that's awesome you know um but you know great great place with uh full of great people i train myself the 11 a.m class at my gym i'm only able to make it in on the wednesday classes right now during uh during the morning but there's something special at least to me it knows uh late morning early afternoon classes it for me i feel like you know I, i've had my breakfast i've been awake long enough you know whereas you know, when I do the evening class, I'm a little groggy. I'm still there, but it's like, you know, you beat the hell up from work, you know, all day. And it's like, and I, I've, I've done a couple really early classes. And I feel like when I do those, I'm just like, it. I love jujitsu, but to win a, anything before 10 for me on the mat, I'm like, dude, I don't want to be here. Why am I doing this? There's so many other sports that I can be doing and, and I'm, I'm out here, but then I realized I'm lucky to be able to do those sports, do this sport specifically. So that's, you know, a blessing in itself. So in your gym, do you have like different crews with like the different classes or do you guys intermingle? So that the 5am guys hang out with the, you know what I'm saying? Like, do they know each other? So now it's that way. The gym that I am with currently. So when I started, I started with the gym called Ivy League MMA. And it felt kind of like, you know, those 11 o'clock guys were the 11 o'clock guys. You rarely saw them at night. I think I was the only one at that time that was doing 11. And then I would come back in the evening. 
to do the 6.30 or 7 o'clock class. And, you know, you would see different crews. You never saw the same people intermingling unless there was like a government holiday or something. And those evening guys can make it to a daytime class. Now where I am. So Ivy League um, sold and it merged with Crazy 88. So the the culture for that gym is so much more like everyone just kind of flows and intermingles. I always say I feel extremely I'm, I'm awkward and I feel sometimes like I don't fit in, but they don't see that. You know, I encounter people there, whether it be an evening class or a morning class, you know, you know, a, a team gathering and it's, you know, oh, you know, you got on the sweatshirt, you got on the rash guard, you, you're one of us, we're all family. So it, it's very uh very cohesive there. Everyone, even again, if you don't know the person, they don't know you, they don't know your name, but they know you train there, or they may even recognize you. You know, everyone seems very welcoming and just like, just brings you into conversations. And which again, that's where my awkwardness comes into play. And I'm like, um, hey, so I collect action figures. And I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm you know, into like, goofy things and they're like no nah, nah, so so who cares so are we we're into goofy things too we all do jujitsu this is goofy so and you know it just all feels like family yeah man what you described i think is like you described like the perfect harmonious um environment of any gym right like you can mm-hmm. go to any 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 time and uh, although you have your crew that that really you that's that's who you roll with that's who you uh you built it up with maybe but like whenever you have those open mats, those government holidays, you know, you see so-and-so from like the evening classes and so-and-so is tough. Like, all right, let's, 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 let's get it. Let's roll. Um, but like you said, it's just as long as you're wearing the, um, the brand or whatever, you're, uh, you're, you're part of it. Right. Absolutely. So. It, it, we have three different gyms. So I, well, by the time this come out, the event would have passed, but we have a ceremony for, uh, you know, the belt, um, a promotion ceremony coming up and all three gyms are going to, you know, be at one location together. And, you know, and, and it's just, again, the guys that I've met from Owens Mills, Severna Park, Elkridge, it's all the same culture. Everybody, you know, all feels like, oh, you know what? This fits. So, but then again, you do have, like you said, those, those, you know, kind of groupings where it's like you belted up with this group or, you know, you, you've, you know, primarily rolled with this group. You still have somewhat of that, but it's not too clicky. Like where I, I did a trial class at a gym and I felt that immediately. And I was just like, it maybe it was just because, you know, it, I was there for a week and, you know, I, I just didn't fit, but I could feel like, okay, those guys are over there. It's a bunch of like, you know, guys, you know, they're, they're striving to be the next UFC champ. You got your grapplers over here who are primarily sticking to just jujitsu. And, you know, you got your guys that were wrestlers over here and it, you, you could feel um, the different environments, but here at, at 88, I don't get that sense at all. And it's funny because we do have the Muay Thai guys that come into the jiu-jitsu class. And you know who they are, but 
but they still just fit right into the you know the cultures just blend as it is yeah i don't know i'd like to same thing with us we have like mma guys and um you know whomever else uh we have a couple of muay thai guys i don't think i've ever seen that many of them uh i'd like i'd like rolling but you know i i, I understand what you're saying so on that note speaking of, of belting up together so uh, usually we do a big promotion near near the holidays in my in my school so a couple of us were talking about the different types of like um i guess requirements that um that that some schools have right so um i did not know this but apparently in a, in a in a gracie school or like a more um i would say more uh mainstream school they do things different right so they they go by like attendance they make you take tests they uh others um what do you call it uh it's it's more so about like your time and grade how long have you been been like a purple belt brown belt whatever uh, and that's how they they promote so what what is your opinion on that um so it's funny that 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 comes up because i was just talking to my coach about that today um just as class ends and we're all kind of exiting out and we got to talk about the belt uh ceremony upcoming and uh, how there are different standards for promoting and i always use the term um for many things one size fits all and i don't like that at all because not everyone fits into the same mold and my coach was kind of pointing that out too he was like look you know we have grapplers here who are on a competition circuit and they're competing eight eight times a year at least you know we have you know grapplers that might compete a couple times a year you know they're graded a little differently you know how how we you know view them for their promotion that we have the hobbyists which i fall into that category where you know they're looking for something a little different from that angle on like your understanding of you know moves at your rank and then you know you know even use the example of let's say you got a 55 year old guy in there he's got a bad neck you know this guy is more than likely not going to be inverted anytime soon but does he understand it can he explain it does he get the concept of it okay sure you know there there's different levels to all of this and um whenever i hear about schools that are like you know uh test uh, belt testing fees um things like that and i'm not sure i've never encountered that but um someone brought it up recently on instagram so wait like, do you have to pay to take your test correct Ooh. um and and i thought that was odd I, i've never encountered it but i was just like wow that is different it's not the first time i've heard it but it's just you know i never you know i heard it once a few years back and just never thought about it again and then i saw it last week on instagram it's like oh snap that that is a thing um or the gym that i initially uh did a trial at i think they they were based off of time i think my one buddy told me he was like look you know if you're there for two years um with decent attendance they're going to move you to blue belt uh, regardless and you know on one note if you're lazy about it oh yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> but 
if you want to actually represent your gym, you know, properly and, you know, not look like a fool, you want to hope that if you've been there for two years with decent attendance, maybe you did really kind of deserve that blue belt. Um, I think I got my blue belt in four years, maybe three, four years. It took me some time, but um, it, it, I think we have kind of an attendance thing as well, but I don't think that's what your belt promotion is count, counted on because we do have like a, a scan card that we scan in, but, you know, they still look at, you know, okay, you know, is Dante able to, you know, demonstrate the moves that we, you know, worked on today. Like we, we drilled this, this was the demo. Is he making an attempt to use that move now? Is he staying after class and drilling that move? Is he working towards the stuff that we taught? Is he working towards implementing that into his game? Does he understand if that doesn't fit into his game, you know, what's the substitute? So it, it from our perspective here, at least from my understanding, you know, with our gym, it, it is more of a, you know, based off the individual and what they're bringing in and what they're able to do versus again, all right, you've been here for six years, you know, it's time to move you to purple, you know, it, it, it's, you know, okay, pay, it's time to pay for your, your belt testing, uh, whatever that fee may be, or, you know, other silly things too. And also with our gym too, and, and this isn't the end all be all, but like, if you are competing, you know, that is going to be kind of a, a, a clear sign. But the thing is too, as coach was saying, that's a little bit harder actually, because, you know, if you're out there competing, just because you're competing, you know, if you go to eight tournaments that year and you lose all eight of them, you know, that doesn't mean like, Hey, I'm competing coach, move me up to purple. Like no, you lost all of them. Like, like we don't want to promote you to the next level losing, you know, here. And then you go to the next level and continue to lose. It's like, like were you implementing those techniques that we went over again did you understand it you know are you applying them so i, I think when it comes to belt promotions like i said it's not a one-size-fits-all like it, it's everyone's different everyone has different goals everyone has different reasons for training some people might just be training and then the belt happens you know they're not even thinking like i'm going to get promoted they're just like i'm here to do this hobby and then all of a sudden oh snap like i i exhibited you know you know the uh the the technique you know i showed them that i understand it so you know you get promoted so it, it gets weird i guess in that um what are your thoughts on uh promotions and, and how they're carried out and how do you all do it at your gym so we uh we actually do it like uh, there's no said way actually we uh, we don't even tell you um so that's um not that i don't agree with it but it just kind of like like you said right like it just sometimes it just happens and you're like oh great now i have another stripe or i have another belt or whatever um <clears throat> it's really nice when it's a pleasant surprise i guess um but uh at some point it could be um a little drain on you if you if you believe that you're that you're you know you're tapping up tapping out um all the blue belts and you're still a white belt um 
if you, I'm pretty sure that like he doesn't kill, he doesn't stay like that once you get to the higher belts. Um, because nothing, nothing sucks more than like being a, a crappy brown belt, right? And I think you stay longer in, in, in purple, right? But, um, so usually it's it's very um, it's very spur of the moment. It feels like that, like we're you know rolling, and then all of a sudden it's like they call us up all to the to formation, and then they call whomever so and so up, and then they get a couple of stripes or they get a new belt. Um, again, I think you said it best: is that everybody's um, everybody's uh, evaluated individually and in, and in what you're achieving and and how you're achieving it, right? Um, you're doing this for self-defense. You're competing, etc. Um, at the end of the day, you're representing the school, and I feel like you have to have a certain level of proficiency based upon whatever belt you're wearing. So, I mean, I I wouldn't give a black belt to someone who's who sucks. You know, if they're gonna be saying that they got their belt from my school, right? Um, so, I think that's also very important that that. Um, you know, whatever belt you're wearing, man, you know, whenever you go out to like cross train or, or an open mat or whenever you compete, that's you're representing. So yeah. you got to be ready. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. I felt a little awkward when I went to visit a gym out in Virginia. And, you know, I'm rolling with one of the purple belts. I'm a blue belt, you know, I'm rolling with one of the purple belts and he's just wiping the floor with me. Just just like having his way and you know i'm sitting there things like damn i'm representing crazy 88 and i'm and, and they're aware of the school you know they see each other at competitions <laughs> and i'm just like damn dude i'm a piss poor representation of my gym right now uh i to come back it you know with, with a little bit more you know pep in my step uh but you know that that's an important thing though is you know you don't want to be a crappy upper belt you know, you get bumped to, you know, purple belt too early. You get bumped to brown belt too early. Hell, blue belt too early. And, you know, you're out there getting starched still. Um, you know, I, I knew guys early on, you know, there are white belts after a few months talking about, I think I'm ready for my blue belt. It's like, ah, no, you're not. Like, yeah. And then, you know, there are guys that when, when we get our blue belts, we're like, fuck, I'm, I'm, like, are you sure? Like, because I, I was that guy at one point. I was like, I think I'm ready. You know, in my head, I never dare said it to coach or, or even a teammate. You know, in my head, like, I, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. And I was not ready. And then when I got my blue belt, I was like, holy shit. Like, like it happened at the beginning of the class. You know, we, you know, bowed in, you know, did our warm up. Coach promoted me. And then they proceeded to beat the hell out of me the rest of the class. Like, oh man, you could have waited. Everybody wants a piece of you, man. Yeah, yeah. It was everyone lining up. Hey, hey, you got a partner? I'm sitting on the mat, like covered in sweat, breathing heavy. Like, ah, we can roll. It's good. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's go. But it, it's that thing of representing. You know, even if you get promoted at a gym and then you move on years later, I mean, you still represent that that professor that promoted you yeah. because they believed in you. Um, today, actually, I asked my coach, because I, you know, I'm, I'm just foreign to this ideal. Like my the blue belt that I got promoted with, it's super faded. And, and it's just it 
it's just, I was like, oh my God, this thing isn't working anymore for me. So I asked my coach, I was like, are we allowed to buy another blue belt? And he looked and was like, yeah, it's only weird if you buy a purple belt. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm like, okay. He was like, go up to the front counter. We got him up there. And there, if something felt unsettling about putting it on, like, I just felt like, you know, my old coach Danny, I felt like, man, you know, this, this isn't a, you know, a shot at you, dude. I just, my belt's old and tattered and, and I, I I put on some extra weight. So rather than losing the weight right now to put on my belt, I figured just buy another belt. And then when I lose the weight, I'll put the old one back on. No, man. But like on that note, are you superstitious? Uh, not, no, I don't think that I am. I think I know where it's going. No, I'm just just legitimately wondering. Um, I was on Twitter talking about this the other day, and uh, people like don't wash their belt. Um, I'm like, dude, man, that's gonna smell awful. <laughs> wash it. Believe me, it doesn't 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 wash away your moves. Just wash it out. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in in washing the belts. I'm a firm believer in. You know, just wash all the stuff. If you step on that mat with anything, when you get home, wash it immediately, yeah. please. Yeah. Like my gear is hanging up right there, like in the background right now. My belt's with it. It's like it, it doesn't. It's it's not holding in some some magic juju. It, it's 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 gonna be okay. Yeah, for sure. I gotta tell you that like there is something cool about like having your tattered belt you know that like maybe not so much when you're a white belt it just shows that you've been you know that you that you you know you have how come you have five stripes well, yeah don't worry about it um no but you know what i mean like when, when you once you see that black belt um with tattered tattered black belt you're like oh man this dude is, is, has been a been around for a while you know um so it, it it's it's cool um are you gonna keep that belt and like like frame it or, or whatever? Gotcha. Good. Good. Yeah, it, it it is special to me. Um, again, and my coach he was he was a good friend of mine as well, so it it meant something to me because when I came in to jujitsu, I just I I didn't have a plan. I didn't have any objective. I was just doing jujitsu. Um, in reality, what I was doing jujitsu for was. I wanted to start an MMA podcast, but I didn't want to start that podcast without understanding the ground game. So I started jujitsu, but I'd never started the podcast. Um, and, you know, this podcast only happened because of COVID. I was like, oh, well, I got nothing else to do. I can't see my friends. I can't train. So let's figure it out. But um, when I went in to, you know, learn, uh, one of the things that during um, my first year, I got really sick and I had a blockage in my intestines. And I put up, you know, after they put the tube in my nose and everything and started draining me, you know, I had to do it for the gram. So I took a picture, posted on Instagram. And my coach's wife at the time sent me um, a message and was like, hey, is it OK if, you know, Danny comes and visits you? And he came and visited me in the hospital. I'm the only one who came to visit me that wasn't my wife. Um, and, you know, we sat and talked jujitsu. We talked comic books. 
and you know a, a bond was formed at that moment to me because prior to that i was only going to class once per week and i would see him in passing uh because he was he was teaching during the week and i was only going on saturdays so you know to get promoted by him you know it it was special um and also after i got promoted yeah i started getting messages from other guys who had been promoted by him i was like Dude, if you got your blue belt from him, you you really earned it. So that felt special. So that belt will be kept, and and you know it's not just gonna get thrown into a sock drawer or anything. Um, it'll be up here along with my original white belt too that I kept forever, despite buying so many other geese and getting a billion other white belts. I only wore the one white belt. Yeah, man. Um, dude. Uh... And like you know what the beauty about it is that like jujitsu in like the broad community it's like filled with stories like that you know of like professors that go above and beyond um or or just just that one thing that they did that you're like oh my god that's awesome and like that changes your entire trajectory of of, of training um like i said I, I i've never been beaten by an old man like that guy uh like professor john you know so like had that been somebody else, like maybe I would have been like, well, the, the guy's athletic, the guy's stronger than me, but whatever. I would have made whatever other excuse like I would in my head. But the fact that he was like so older, so much older than me, really just made it, you know, like that. There's no way that I can't go through life without understanding this 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 witchcraft that this guy just did. Um, you know, so. I think that's that that's awesome. Like whenever you hear those stories, you're like, man, that's cool. That's 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 our sport, right? Like it's our our uh, our art. But um, I don't know, man. It's it's cool for sure. I'm glad that you're gonna keep it. Uh, I don't know where my blue belt is. Um, I think I have my white belt somewhere. Uh, I actually my 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 blue belt is it's oh god, I'm an idiot. So I I'm trying to be clean and uh, I. I am washing my geese and um, putting bleach on them, and I throw my blue belt in there, and it looks like um, like tie dye blue, blue, and I'm like, oh god, I look so dumb. <laughs> so it uh, it just adds character to it. Let's call it let's call it character. I, I actually just realized as I looked behind myself, I was like, okay, there's my white belt um, hanging on my weights over here, and and my phase belt. Uh, between uh, the white and blue, I still have that as well. And then my original blue belt now, because before um, I got to set up the record, I was just bringing all the stuff down here to the basement. It's like, all right, let me, you know, lay things out how I want want things displayed, how I think, uh, how I want things set up. I was like, okay, there are those two belts. Here's this belt. And then my wife, she looked at the the newer blue belt. She goes. You know, I like it, you know, because it's, it's you know, bright. Yeah. You know, it's like clean. And she's like, I like it. It was like, yeah. I mean, she was like, I also like blue, though. That's her favorite color. I was like, well, purple is my favorite color. So, you know, I, I'm going there. She was like, are you, like, are you done after? That? I was like, no. <laughs> I just, like, I'm just going there. I, you know, I want to get my purple belt. I, I'll be really happy to get it. But, you know, you keep going. I mean, or at least I want to keep going. So. Yeah, man, I, I was thinking about this the other day that like, um, like there's really no end to it, right? Like I don't, I don't foresee myself, you know, knock on wood from stay healthy and all that, 
like ever stopping um it's not like you you, you win and you learn everything right like you, you just keep going to class and just like you just have a different belt so the that was something we were talking about as well after class today is the state of jiu-jitsu now with you know these younger champions coming up you know just just running through it all and one of the things we we're kind of talking about is like you're always going to be learning in jiu-jitsu at all ages at all belt ranks and the thing is with these kids coming up now they're learning stuff that i when i started you know it was just you know like the basic white belt stuff you know a couple of, you know simple sweeps like scissor sweep uh umpa sweep you know uh flower sweep things like that rear naked choke you know just you know those basic things and it's almost like now you get even our kids classes you know they're learning those things in the kids classes so then when they start coming up to you know you know as the teenagers and into the you know adult classes it's like they've known those things for years those things are etched into their dna and one of the things we're talking about with that is like a lot of these kids as they're growing up learning jiu-jitsu their body is growing into jiu-jitsu whereas you know i started at 37 i think or something like late 30s my body was conditioned differently so i had to get conditioned to jiu-jitsu whereas you know you got kids now yeah they have to get conditioned but their body is already kind of in that developmental stage where you know and a lot of moves you know that we kind of do in jiu-jitsu like you know our combat stand-up things like that you kind of my daughter i remember she'd never seen me do it but I remember her like as a three-year-old when she would stand up that's how she would stand up just kind of that yeah. motion uh, right yeah and it was weird and one of my teammates had pointed that out he's like we do a lot of those moves it's just that we forget them we unlearn them as we grow up and i was like yeah you're right and now that's the only way i ever get off the floor is that way so you know it gets etched into your dna yeah man and um uh, <clears throat> i think it's um maybe you can call it mad intelligence or mad awareness but you're right it's um it's a way the way that you move and like specifically if you're training from a young age like your body like you said you're able to do a lot of things that like we necessarily won't, won't be able to do right like i am not a fan of going inverted as opposed to someone who's like 18 and has been training jiu-jitsu since like they were 10. You know they're having like no problem turning their neck and like doing all kinds of stuff right it's just like our jiu-jitsu is different um however i think that like as the sport evolves we need to evolve with it because like when i first started it's uh like we i think i learned one leg lock and uh that was like if nothing if you cannot pass the guard this is like how you attack the one leg um, but now, dude, if you don't know leg locks out in the competitive sector, you're gonna get like your heel broken, or, or I'm sorry, your heel broken, your uh, your knee, your knee broken, um, because you have to. It's, it's it's like a it's a requirement now, and, and at the high level, I mean, you saw Gore Ryan win um, against Nicky Rod with with a heel hook, you know? Um, yeah. So you have to know. 
mean, that's a that you know that was something else we were talking about too a little bit after class. It's almost like you were. It's like were you like you to using telepathy and just you know pulling what we're we're discussing today. Um, we were talking about leg locks a little bit uh, because yeah, the the way that the game is evolving, especially you know when you jump into the leg lock game. I don't typically do them. I, I primarily train in the gi for the most part. Uh, one of the white belts went for a straight ankle lock on me and, you know, he's working and I'm like, okay, like he's trying, you know, I'm not going to be a dick about it. And it was like, okay, he's got me. All right. And then I looked, I was like, oh shit, his foot is here. Hold on. And I grabbed him. I was like, all right, let me show you how it's done. And, and the problem that I have with doing it in the gi is just the materials in the way. So it took me a little time to adjust as well. But, you know, I was talking with Coach about that, and you know, that's one of the things that I pointed out to him. It was like, I don't normally do leg locks myself, but I want to know them because at the very least, if someone else is going for it on me, I have to understand what they're doing so I can defend it. Because if, if, I, can't, if I don't know what they're doing, I can't defend at all. And I'm, I'm just I – might, I might put myself in deeper trouble. So I think it is important to evolve with the game, whether you're going to use it or not, just at the very least know it. So you can have some base knowledge and say, okay, my foot is like, I'm in the worst position right now for him to go for the hill hook or the best position for him worse for me. Like I need to either get the fuck out of here or start preparing to roll. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you're ahead of them, but, in most cases, you know, you get caught, you're caught. You may as well just know it's time to tap now. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to tell you, like, since um, since I, I, I got promoted, I started to think about, um, like, your moveset, your game, in a whole different way as, as opposed to before. So before, what I would think, it was, uh, I'm sorry, before, the way I would think, it was a very linear, linear fashion. So, like, you start from guard you do x y and z you pass the guard and then you move to the next point and so on and so forth um like as a recent i i've started thinking about principles and um advantages disadvantages and uh like the defense is not being like my like my defense is not saying okay so i need to grab one hand and then the other hand and you know two on one and then from there go around the around my face it's not sequential it's more so about okay so he's trying to choke me if i have if he cannot see his arm that prevents the arm to go around my neck therefore as long as i maintain that i can touch my 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 back to the mat and he no longer has counter pressure on my on my uh, back and he's unable to choke me so let's try to f work a way around that so that that that's the end result so with leg locks, what I've I, I, I've come to start studying them is that you have to understand the principles behind it, of of, um, you know what happens when they isolate your leg. At what point can they break it? At what's your defense? Is your defense X, Y, and Z here? So for example, if they have a heel hook, are you trying to um, hide your heel? Are you trying to break their grip? Are you pushing your heel to the ground? Uh, just so they're unable to expose your, your heel. 
Um, so it's it's vital to understand like those um, that that I wouldn't call it neo now, but that um, the different aspect of jujitsu. And um, I I gotta tell you that like as much as people hate on them, I believe that they work on the, on a on a street fight. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the, yeah, right. Thank you. Um, I think the nature behind them, it's so incapacitating that it may not put a stop to the fight, but it definitely <clears throat> brings it to uh, like it slows it down, right? And I'm not, I'm not arguing for you know if you're in a fist fight for whatever reason you're in a fist fight, whether someone's attacking you, you're defending yourself or whatever. <clears throat> you're probably not gonna shoot an Imanari roll when you're fist fighting, right? <clears throat> maybe more so more likely than not you're gonna end up on the ground there's gonna be some sort of scramble you end up in some sort of position that you have that you're under your opponent and you're able to like throw um throw x card or, or whatever and you start attacking attacking legs um so it's it's very important to like know that because at the end of the day you throw a heel hook on someone and you break break their leg the fight's over right that's you know kind of the thoughts when it comes to people talk about jiu-jitsu not working in the street it's like well i mean he i i think people lose the ideal of like a fight because <laughs> it's like yeah like i'm not gonna pull guard in a street fight it's fucking silly but i do understand the concept of a fight this guy wants to hit me i'm not going to allow that person to hit me we were talking about this last week. One guy was like, "Well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to keep the fight standing up, and you know, I'm going to swing, and da, da, da. and you know, my argument to that was, I, I have brittle hands. I was like, I'm not swinging on anyone because I, my hands will shatter immediately, and you know, I'm in worse, I'm in a worse spot. You know, if I can wrap the guy up and then it not, not even necessarily take him to the ground, pin him against a wall. You know, if it goes to the ground, you know, whatever." You know, I, I know what to do from there. But people forget too. It's like just because you know jujitsu doesn't mean you forgot how to fight dirty too. It's like, well, you know, they can punch you in the balls. Yeah, I can punch them in the balls too. But I also know jujitsu. Yeah, like they can bite you. Yeah, I can bite them too. And I know jujitsu. Like you know, they can poke. You know, eye gouge. Yeah, so can I. And I know jujitsu. You know, you have in honestly, even in the street fight, I'm not even looking for any of that stuff anyway. I'm just you know. I haven't been to the actual fight fucking I don't know how long and I want to keep it that way. That's a good thing. But yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> dude, I'm 44. Like if I get into a street fight tomorrow, I've done something horribly wrong with my life. Yeah. Um, but like the ideal is if, you know, there's an altercation at the very least, I want to be able to control this person. Like, you know, destabilize, you know, or stabilize them, you know, but I don't want them to be able to swing. I don't want them to be able to kick. I want to be able to, you know, kind of stop them. I'm not trying to beat them up. I'm not trying to hurt them. That's never my thought in the fight. I'm like, well, what if they have a weapon? I mean, then we're talking about a different thing. <laughs> like my cousin would always say that whenever we're we're joking around at the house. It's like, well, what what would you do if I had a gun? I was, do you have a gun on you right now? No. I was like, you're about to get fucked up. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Um, it's like my uncle asked that once too. He's like, well, like, what would you do if I had a gun? I was like, I mean. I'm not going to stand here and fight you. If you got a gun, I'm probably going to give you my wallet. Like, the, you know, 
you got different tools for different situations. And the thing is, when people say jujitsu doesn't work in the street, it's like, well, I mean, you know, there, there are videos of white belts, you know, like training for two weeks, trying to fight some dude at a gas station, getting their ass whipped. Yeah, that's probably not going to work for you in the street. You've been training for two weeks. What the fuck do you know? Whereas then you got to, you know, you got Henzo Gracie, you got Matt Sarah. You know, these guys are detaining people, you know, in, in live situations, whether it be at a restaurant or the subway, you know, they're using their jujitsu to help them control the situation. It, it works. I mean, again, if someone's got a weapon, I mean, you're, you're talking about a different game. But the thing is, too, if you know they have a weapon and they haven't pulled it yet, your objective is to make sure they don't pull the weapon. But if they have the weapon out, then it's like, again, you know, you're, you're dealing with a different can of worms at that point. But jujitsu is is definitely a tool that you can use in self-defense. That's kind of the whole ideal to it. And people look at sports jujitsu, it's like, oh, well, that's dumb. You know, you're not going to MNRI roll or pull guard in the street. But like, you're absolutely right. You're not. But like you said, if that fight, you know, gets to the ground, you know what to do. Yeah, and one of the biggest things about uh, <clears throat> fighting, um, like stand up, right? Like your hips are the strongest. Like you, 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 you generate all your power from your hips, right? Uh, you, you translate that power whether it's through your legs, your arms, you know, whether throwing kicks, hooks, straights, jabs, you name it, right? However, you need to be within striking distance to 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 do this. So if you're in striking distance, more likely than not, I'm going to be within striking distance as well. So if I'm able to take away your hips and throw you there on the wall, on the ground, uh, you know, the, the, the fight just kind of like went on my favor. Um, but it's, uh, it's, I feel like it's nowadays it's such a necessary skill to have in, in general to like be able to like self-defend, like to use self-defense appropriately. Um, but I can tell you that like, as a police officer, man, jujitsu is, it's, it's great. Um, I mean, you think about any situation, I mean, let's break it down statistics, like statistics, like our statistics, right? So like, what would you say the, the percentage of the population in the United States, the amount of people that train jujitsu? Percentage wise in out of what 300 million we got here or something like that whatever i would say less than 10 percent, probably less than five percent i read three percent um and out of those three percent like the, it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller the, the higher belt you advance right yeah. so um you know realistically speaking at uh at someone who's been training jujitsu for like and it's in a period of time, you name that, be it three years, five years, and you add consistency to it, you're ahead of 99.9% .9 of the population when it comes down to like a ground, a ground fight. Um, to the point where like, I mean, we all remember that, right? Like we all remember rolling against the one person, the one opponent, the one sparring partner that just like took us to town that we couldn't even pass their guard. That's what it. That's what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like um, having so much uh, control, awareness, and uh, knowledge of, of how the body works that you're just basically able to 
put someone um, in a compromised position where you're able to get their hands behind their back. Oh my God, it's great. Um, I, I honestly believe that everybody should, every, every police officer should should, um, should at least train once or twice a week uh, at the very least. That was uh, that was something I was going to ask you with being an officer um, and, and knowing, you know, you train and being an officer, um, you know, that's definitely a huge benefit, you know, to you be able to being able to do your job effectively. You know, if the situation arises um, and I was going to ask you, you know, you're filling on, you know, all officers training, but then also how how does that become? Because the argument I've always heard, or I don't want to say always, but the argument that I have heard a few times is finding the time for the officers to train. And and then the thing is, too, is like, do you make, you know, all the officers train? If it is something that they all have to do, then again, that's where the time comes in because it's like, well, is this on, you know, you know, paid time, things like that. And you, you have organizations like, um, I can't remember uh, the name of it right now. But cop is one of them. Yes. Adopt a cop. That's what it was. Um, you know, organizations that, you know, step up to help, you know, in those matters. Uh, you know, you know, what would you say is, you know, kind of a solution to getting, you know, more officers training? I mean, you you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, that's a that's a big issue with uh with pay, right? If you make it a requirement are you saying that you're working 12 hours and one hour of, of training and you, you do that at the end of your shift or do you, do you come up with some sort of like system to go out and uh, basically pay for your hour at a, at a jiu-jitsu spot where you, you check in or whatever um, is that covered by the by your actual pay from the state or local government or, or, or town or whatever wherever you work at um, or is it, do you get a voucher from your agency and you go out and, and, and buy their policy? Do you have to like go out and, um, you know, be, um, be training, um, however long, however many days, um, what I've heard is that there's some agencies that require you to have a, uh, height and weight standard, right? So you have to be, you know, within, um, you name it, um, your body fat has to be within this range. So, um, because the agency itself is requiring you to be in shape, they give you some sort of stipend to like go to the gym and, and, and work out and, 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 you know, like, um, I guess eat healthy. Right. So that way you can, because the agency is requiring you to do that. Right. So, um, could there be some, something like that? I'm sure there could be, but, um, Every agency is different, so it's very difficult to come up with an answer that really like, like a blanket statement that like um, does it. I've heard that New Jersey requires uh, jujitsu for police officers. Uh, I haven't gotten that confirmed, but if they do, that's awesome. Um, I think it maybe not Atlanta, but somewhere in Georgia, a, a town in Georgia, um, I believe was moving in that direction. I, I'd never followed up in Michigan was trying to push for all officers to at least be a blue belt in jujitsu, which I think also, again, gets into that murky area of, you know, training time and, you know, you know, where do you fit that into the schedule? Because like you said, if you're working a 12 hour shift, are you doing this 
at the end of your shift, before the shift, like what's going on with that. Um, and, you know, effectively, you, you would say at least two, two, you know, times a week at least. So it's like really you're looking at, you know, trying to find that time in there. Do you do it on your day off? You know, where does that fit in? Um, especially when you're saying, hey, you have to at least be a blue belt. And a blue belt's not something you just walk in, you get in a month and a half. You know, that's going to take some time. So it, it's, you know, an interesting uh, request for an entire state, let alone a town. Um, but, you know, it's moving. You're, you're also talking about like, I mean, I don't know if you ever worked in government, but anytime that you implement any kind of um, new um, new policy, it's difficult. It's you know what I mean. It's it's very difficult to to get people that have been stuck in their ways to like pick up that change and then implement it, especially on something like this where you're asking them to like be vulnerable, right? Like uh, you take a a, a police officer that's been out on the road for 20 something years and you're like hey buddy can you go out to this gym and uh, wear these silly clothes and uh or roll around um so that's that's definitely a challenge i think that um the way that we've moved so, so as a society with uh with the need of, of of highly trained police officers i think that eventually it's going to be a um a requirement kind of like like you were explaining um but i i think it's it's better to get ahead of the curve and just you know find the time to do it um i uh i believe there is a gentleman called uh, uh lieutenant colonel grossman so he's a public speaker he was a ranger he was um i believe he worked at west point he was a teacher i believe but um he in one of his uh uh talks he, he uh explains about um your hobbies as a police officer right so like um he says whatever hobby you have you should have hobbies as a police officer um but get something that like pays you back and what he refers to is that like let your hobby be running let your hobby be working out let your hobby be boxing jujitsu whatever don't let your hobby be golf because you're out you go out golfing it doesn't really translate doesn't help you on the job right so like get something that pays you back um but um i i strongly believe believe in that um at the end of the day it's it's uh sort of ability you know you want to make sure that you are um trained in such a way that if it ever comes down to it you're able to like defend yourself and protect others with you know just your body i guess but um I hope, man. Uh, there's so many ways to like to train. Whether it's, if it's a financial burden, like you said, adopt a cop is is going to help you out. Um, I believe uh, Henry Gracie has the, um, I think it's like Gracie University or Gracie Combatives, I believe. Yes. Well, like you can. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's the Gracie Combatives. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there's they'll sponsor you there's organizations that will sponsor police officers to go out to like uh some place and like train for like a certain amount of time and, and and basically get acquainted with like all kinds of like um like crazy tactics and and and, and um and techniques or whatever so like there's 
monetary, there's no excuse. Um, but it's just finding the time, you know, like convincing someone that like it's just a good idea. That's that's the that's it. Well, it's like you said earlier with the very very key point is. You know, you got people set in their ways and now you're asking them to be vulnerable. You're asking them to be uncomfortable. And, you know, that's it's funny because, again, conversation earlier tonight, my wife and I were talking about that and um, like kind of like lightly talking about it because she she was talking about one thing and I started talking about jujitsu training for police officers. I was like, she's like, yeah, two different topics. I was like, no, but it all connects. Um, but, you know, the thing is, too, is I compare it to, you know, like going to anger management or going to AA. These programs can work if you want them to work. And it's kind of the same thing with this. It's like, hey, we, you know, we're requiring you to go learn jujitsu. You got to want to, though, you know, and that's, you know, that's a tough, tough thing, you know, with if you try to push this cross nation, not just a state, but like, let's just say, oh, we want every every cop in the nation to know jujitsu. And it's like, that's, you know, a, a hefty task. But you got to now understand that, you know, these cops have to want to accept that. And I, I think was it Buffalo? Well, whatever was going on up there um and you know the cops all you know kind of like just stepped down or resigned or something to that effect it's like you you push too hard at things you end up you know creating those situations and i'm not saying you know we we shouldn't expect you know higher standards from our officers especially when it comes to um physical you know uh, defense and, and just, you know, physical fitness period. Uh, Tom DeBlas, you know, he posts quite often on his Instagram, you know, you know, heavier set officers, you know, trying to chase somebody down and, and the culprit just takes off full sprint, you know, and you got this, this, you know, clearly out of shape officer can't even, you know, run 15 yards without running out of breath, you know, even just that alone, you know, goes a long way, but, you know, again, you know, guys have to want to do it and that, you know, maybe it's something as you move forward with new guys coming in you start setting that into place. Like, okay, you know, these guys coming in, it's required that you start doing this. And then the guys that are here, look, we want you to do it. We can't force you to do it, but we want you to, you know, give it a shot. It's very, I always say, I say that everyone needs to see a therapist, at least for three sessions. The first session to kind of just go in, shoot the shake, you know, build a rapport, get to know each other. The second session, you know, if, if you're going through something, kind of get it out on the table. And then the third session to figure out if you want to continue. I feel that way with jujitsu as well. Give it, you know, three weeks, that first week to kind of, you know, get in there and get a feel for it. That second week, really try to figure out what your objective is in that third week you want to determine do i want to keep with this now i would say that you know with your veteran officers that are still there on the force and then anyone new coming in it's like well you know this is part of the requirements it's not a surprise we're not springing this on you this is something that was in the literature as you were signing up you know maybe that's a way to approach it um 
I, I just I think we need to do better just in that regard because there are too many videos of you know guys harming officers and you know they're not they're not trained or officers that can't keep up with someone taking off running and it's like like where are we going with this you know are we going to get better as a society absolutely but i mean again you're, you're talking about like a a very broad um issue right that like ultimately it's it's up to the specific agency town state municipality um, reserve to implement all these, these these policies right um because we can you and i can sit here and say that like every police officer should be in shape I'm like yeah they should um but you know there's hundreds of, of of agencies around the nation that like are not going to implement these these uh, height and weight standards or there may be agencies that implement these height and weight standards but they're not compensating their officers for this now you and i understand the like that you should probably be in good shape if you're going to be fighting crime um but i mean there if it's a requirement and you have to do that outside of work does that fall on their your primary responsibility as a police officer or on yourself you know so that's that's again that's a murky water of um you know should they pay you to stay in shape um and then ultimately it's that barrier of like all right man you gotta show up to class uh i mean how many people have you tried to convince to try jujitsu and then they fall through you know like um it's 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 a hard task for some people to like either swallow their pride and and come in and like like, like I said, be vulnerable. Um, and, and you know, there's like thousands of factors that go into play, whether it's maybe the school is not a good fit. Maybe they'll, they, they would have liked this, this this art, but like they got beat up by whomever or like they, um, whatever the vibe was off or whatever. Um, um, so there's, there's a lot of factors that you got to take into consideration whenever you're bringing someone in. So let alone someone who's who's been a police officer right so um i like i said i think that uh, that that's the step in the right direction to like have newer guys to like start like kind of like hey man you know come on out uh roll around for a little bit learn how do you defend yourself um and uh, you know like pass it on to the to, to the next class and so on and so forth and eventually you'll change the culture right yeah and that's something you know it's going to take time i think unfortunately humans you know especially here in the u.s you know we want it now so we want that change now we want that fixed now and the thing is unfortunately that's just not a thing like to say you know we need all the officers blue belts at least you know or training in some capacity it's like okay that's not something that's going to happen overnight i think it is a slow process that will take years maybe even decades to really kind of get that comfort before you know you really see any kind of change anyway i mean you know it, it, it's just yeah it's it's real murky just right now but you know things can change i think the the big thing though i feel like it's just again the everyone that's in place now trying to force them into it will just get pushed back. And now, you know, you ever try to tell a, a you know, six-year-old 
that they have to do something and they don't want to do it, they're they're gonna take the time now. It's like I told my daughter, like, hey, we gotta get ready to go. You gotta go get dressed. I don't wanna go. I need you to get dressed right now. We need to get out here in five minutes. Cool, 20 minutes later. It's like, okay, I'm ready. You know, they're gonna resist. You tell people they gotta do something that they don't want to, there will be resistance versus trying to ease it in, like I said, with the new recruits, bring them in. You know, at the very least, it's like they walk in, they know what they're getting into versus, you know, you sign up for the job and then you spring in a new uh, policy, a new change. Hell, I'll admit at work, whenever they change things on us, I am the first one to resist. I'm like, no, I don't like that. I'm going to keep doing it my way until my, my, you know, top boss comes all the way down and says, hey, man, you need to fix this. Or, you know, suffer the consequences. So I get it. Yeah, man. Like I said, it's implementing change, especially on a large scale, is is um, very difficult. And as opposed to forcing change, I think it's better to change in the culture, right? Like um, allowing that to become like a peer pressure thing. That like, oh, dude, you're not coming to train today. What's wrong with you? You know. Absolutely. How many times have you gone to training because, like, your buddy was like, "What do you mean you're not coming? What do you mean? What, what are you sick? No, well, you better show up." So, um, yeah, man. Um, I, I, I see you wearing Batman. Um, so that's also my favorite superhero. Um, but uh, that's one of the things that, like, I, I remember that um, that you know, like, my man did all like I think what seventy something martial arts. To like stay in tip-top shape like you have to be um master your craft and in this particular case you know it's it's um i don't want to say hand fighting per se but um um grappling right at some point it's or another when you're putting handcuffs on someone you have to grab them and take, take control of their body so you're basically grappling whenever you arrest someone i, I think that's the thing too with like you said, you're fighting crime. You know, you want to have all your abilities present to do so. You know, and, and even with that, too, not just off the physical part of it, you know, there is a mental part to training. And, and like, you know, when I first started jiu-jitsu, you get me a mount. I, I was I was in a different place that wasn't good. I was like, I don't like being here at all, you know, and I'm spazzing out. I'm, you know, I'm a spazzy white belt at this time, you know, give it some time. And now I had a, what, dude, it was like 240 pounds mounted me today and going for all types of different chokes and, and uh, going for Americanas, you know, everything. And just, you know, calm as anything. I mean, you know, with, with training, you do step to a different mental zone. You get this comfort, you know, of knowing, hey, this is going to be okay. And you get these other moments where you know when the alarms are going off. So there's a, a understanding that comes with training, not just jiu-jitsu. You know, that could be wrestling. That could be taekwondo. That could be judo, sambo, you know, just training in general when, when you're dealing with combat sports. Yeah, man. Uh, have you ever read the book uh, Breathe by uh, Hickson, Hickson Gracie? I have not. Uh, great book, man. I highly recommend it. Um, it it's his uh, his biography. 
and uh, he talks about uh, growing up in Brazil and, and uh, becoming a great the Gracie champion. So he talks about the same thing. So he, um, I think he he recalls either passing out basically when somebody had like mount on him or something like that. So he had his brother Carl. I think it was Carlos. Rolled him into a rug. Like, so, but I envision is Hickson in the middle of the rug and like rolled him into a rug, and he would just try to like not freak out and not be claustrophobic because that's how how he lost that particular match or that, that particular sparring session. But it's understanding that like, oh man, this is gonna be okay. It's fine. They don't have X, Y, and Z yet, you know. So but um speaking of books, um have you ever read or heard of the the there's two books, the, the Becoming Batman book and then the um that's become the Batman Diaries, I believe, or the Batman Chronicles. So I've heard of Becoming Batman. Um, I have not heard of uh, the Batman Chronicles. I, I'm aware of at least the first one. I have not read it, though. So um, I think it's a kinesiologist, kinesiologist, kinesiologist um, Paul Ezer, and uh, he breaks down the um, the um, the physical toll that it would take to be Batman and so on and so forth. But he makes it out that like, you know, obviously this is all fiction, right? But if you could, if you had like all the money in the world and the ability to train twenty four seven, um, it would like take you something to like the effect of like fourteen years, and you can maintain that level of fitness for like maybe three years. Um, and you're also, I mean, that's that's not even like talking about um, like learning everything he everything Batman did, right? But to keep it a little bit more um, realistic, right? Um, like, you're absolutely right. You need to like practice all of your techniques, tactics, procedures, whatever. And you also got to think, right? That you can't just like sequentially do one move or the other. You have to like link all these different types of martial arts together in order for you to like have this this very um, like fluid um i guess ability or fighting fighting prowess but um uh i think it's in the yeah in the chronicles of, of batman it's again it's fiction but like they show his workout regimen and it was like this morning ran 26 miles at like six minute mile ate like four thousand no i think it's four thousand or six thousand calories did a sparring session you know boxing and then this squatted this 800 pounds and then deadlifted this and then took a break slept for four hours and then did this other thing or whatever man i wish i had all that money to be able to do that that's exactly what i was just thinking I was like well he's a billionaire he, yeah, he right. has that time i think marky mark does some crazy morning regimen i think he gets up at like 3 30 in the morning and you know you map out his day and it's like well i mean he's rich he he has that kind of time so I gotta tell you that, like, I don't buy into like, like that kind of regimen because at that point, like, if you're getting up at four thirty, and like this is coming from someone who gets up at four thirty, like to train, like you're, like at that point, just just wake up at a normal hour, man. Like, are you really accomplishing that much more at three thirty in the morning than like five thirty in the morning? You know, like the day hasn't started yet. 
I used to get up at um, 5.30 and 6 and work out. And that was a thing where I was like, okay, you know, trying to get, get the workout in before work type deal. And, you know, now that's, that's not something that's in my routine at all. I'm like, like seven o'clock, uh, I got two more hours. Yeah. I, I can milk this. Um, but I, you know, I see a lot of Instagram, uh, I don't know what I would call them, but you know, mindset influencers talking about, you know, do these, you know, seven things for 21 days and watch your life change. It's about getting up at five thirty in the morning, every single morning. It's like, eh, I mean, I guess this kind of goes back to the ideal of the officers, you know, being told to train. It's like, yeah, I don't think I want to though. Like, like what's going to happen? Like, okay, I get up at five thirty in the morning. I spend more time on Instagram. Exactly. Like it's, it's whatever time your day starts, right? Like, if, if your day starts at seven, right, and and um, to to be able to accomplish all your your morning tasks, you get up at six. I mean, getting up an extra hour is is going to help you if you're able to like have the discipline to like get extra extra work done, finish that paper, or like watch that, that extra BJJ fanatics video. I don't know. Uh, maybe work out a little bit and go for a little half an hour run, the three miles. Yeah, sure, that'll help you. But when you're getting up at three thirty in the morning, and like your day starts at, I don't know, whatever, whatever Mark Wahlberg's schedule is like, you're just you're just doing that to like be cool, like one up one up Jocko, I guess. Well, I also wondered too because I didn't look at the full schedule. I didn't see what his evening was. It was like, well, what time are you going to bed? What like wake up at three? Yeah, because yeah. like if you're waking up at three thirty in the morning, like you, like me, a typical night for me to go to sleep is usually between twelve and one, where I feel like my body is shutting down. And I wake up, you know, comfortably between seven and eight. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like if I'm gonna get up at three thirty in the morning, and, and the question is, are you waking up at three thirty and then working out at? Or, you know, because you don't typically just get up out of bed and start working out. At least I don't. Like, so I don't know. But, you know, when you see a schedule like that or somebody say a schedule like that, it's like, OK, that's crazy. Now, granted, with Batman is fictional, but still, you know, it's the ideal of the character and what goes into that character. Um, but also to we, my wife, again, we were talking about this earlier with um, I think they're talking about in uh, Batman versus Superman. You see him working out, getting ready to fight Superman. And I think someone had like done like something, you know, they broke it down. I was like, dude, for him to do that workout, like realistically, he would have like shattered his body. Like there's no way he's doing that workout, you know, like that. And it was like, I mean, maybe it's Ben Affleck. He, you know, I'm pretty sure he's got the money for the steroids. He can do it. Yeah. I believe in him. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Nah, man, it's like I said, it's it's at that point, it's like useless. Um, but and and again, right? Like uh, at some point, you're being counterproductive, you know, with your with your own workouts. So like, because you if you if you're going to bed at like eleven and you're getting up at three, like how much quality sleep are you getting? You know, like are you really recovering? So like I said, it's, it's Hollywood, man. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, it's just talking about. Um, you know, actors in general and not, not just actors, I, I guess, you know, the recent news with uh, the liver King, 
and, and that coming out. And then my buddy and I, we got to talking about The Rock. And oh, The Rock is over, he's over 50. And his, his younger brother believes wholeheartedly that The Rock is all natural. It was like, no, no, not like, no. And, and he's he's avoided the questions in interviews The Rock has, you know, you know, they'll ask him, you know, are you using anything? And, you know, he finds slick ways to get around, around it. Um, so he's never out, outwardly said, I am or I am not. He's just found ways around it. But, and that's the thing, it's like you, you see these celebrities with these crazy schedules and, you know, and I'm not knocking, you know, anybody. Look, if you need to use TRT, if you need to use um, hormone replacement, you know, even if you're, you know, juicing, whatever, it's your body, do you. Uh, just don't tell people that you know you're all natural. Don't don't try to sell us something that's not true. Yeah, man, and that's I think that's kind of like part of the issue, right? Because uh, you the the rock, right? Like how many people look up to him? Whether it's kids, uh, adults, you name it, right? Like the pinnacle of fitness. This guy, you know, goes to bed early, wakes up early, uh, says says his prayers, works out, and eats eats right. He you know all these things, right? So, like, that makes me believe that I can do it if I do the same thing. Obviously, we're talking about genetics and, and obviously whatever else it takes. Um, so I can see he, why he wouldn't admit to, like, taking steroids because you can you can legitimately um, screw kids up, right? Like, there's kids that are like, oh, I want to be like The Rock. So The Rock takes X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to take X, Y, and Z. So I, I can see that part. However, when you're building your brand, about being like the liver king being a natural caveman diet or whatever and you're buying ten thousand dollars worth of like testosterone and, and um and all kind of, i didn't even see it like his his um his cocktail but i imagine that it's got to be like crazy right like a whole lot of hormones whole lot of um uh peptides and whatever like they're like you're kind of like selling those lies, you know, like this is not the reason why you look like this is not because of, of, of like the meat. It's because of all the drugs. I, I will say um, I, I had a guest on very, very early on uh, in, in doing the podcast and they're on the, to, to discuss the carnivore diet at the time. And, you know, I still follow them on Instagram and I still see, you know, a lot of the posts and, you know, a lot of stuff they were, you know, kind of promoting and pumping up was the liver king. And I'm not one to like turn around and say, oh, your boy was dirty. You know, there's no, I'm, you know, whatever. I mean, you, you follow what you follow. You like what you like. Now, if it turns out, hey, that's not genuine, you know, you do what you will. I don't care. Um, my whole thing is when you start saying stuff like in. I don't know that he's ever said this, but I know this individual, you know, like, well, vegetables, you know, aren't really helpful to you. Kale isn't really a super food. And, you know, all you really need to eat is just, you know, you know, you know, these meats and da da da. And it's like, I mean, maybe for you, maybe for this individual, I don't know. I mean, you know, there, there are people who are vegans that are, you know, very healthy and they're, they're, doing okay uh there are people who are on a carnivore diet and they're doing well it's like again back to what we said early on this is not a one-size-fits-all type of deal humans are very complicated there are nearly eight billion of us on this planet 
we're complex and we're all not going to be able to all eat just meat. We're not going to all be able to just eat plants. We're all not going to be able to just eat honey buns. You know, you got to, you know, do what works for you. Uh, you know, what the liver king is selling, you know, he's got a bunch of people, you know, still defending them, um, you know, after everything. And it's like, I mean, I don't care that the dude use steroids. I think the big thing to me is, again, you're, you're selling something to a group of people that's not true. You're like, hey, this is all natural. I eat liver. Da, da, da. And then it was like, oh, and a bunch of other, you know, supplements, you know, that aren't necessarily legal. So um, just tell them what you put, you know, what do you sprinkle on top of that liver? Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Let me ask you something. Did the liver king ever come out and said, I do not use steroids. So I don't know that I've ever heard him say that he's he, he does not use steroids, but he said he was all natural. Right. And like, so, yeah. And that's the thing, right? The like, it's different if you're like The Rock and you're playing these, these like these ways to like get out of the question, right? Because you haven't really, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not on steroids. But the fact that you're selling these whole lifestyle of like the caveman lifestyle and then you come out and you were not even like you know screw it if you're taking testosterone i could be like oh, I, mean, I get it but ten thousand dollars worth of like supplements and and um like like i said it's um i think the email that he was he that got leaked was from a a um um uh, H doctor, right, or um, H clinic, or whatever. So, like, yeah. God only knows what he's taking in in, in in particular. So, like, that's dude. Like, you're you're, you're fake, you know. So, yeah, and, but, I don't know. It, it's a tough thing because again, it's one thing if you you know if if he wasn't selling it as like this is all natural. I'm doing this all naturally, you know. That's one thing, but just the fact that that's where you're going and then it turns out you're not clean you're not right. natural um and again there are people still defending them so and that's fine i think you know again if you come out and you say hey look i do this and look you know maybe on the side i might take you know a little bit of you know i might get a little bit of extra help and if people don't ask what the extra help is whatever it's you know people are going to ask and then he's like oh, i take you know some testosterone you know which is fine you know i was talking to someone uh, today about that and they're like it's I guess it was kind of an older school mentality where it's like you know take testosterone isn't an okay thing and it's like well uh, it is though it, it, I don't know why it shouldn't be okay I mean look if if you're an active you know older fella and you're like look man I'm I'm just tired all the time I don't have as much energy you know talk to your doctor you know maybe maybe I should go talk to my doctor well, I'm 44 maybe I should go like hey doc you know what can you give me? That's not a steroid. You know, I don't think doctors give steroids today, like <laughs> anabolic steroids. That's wild if they do. So, but I mean, if you're like, look, man, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, doing this, but I am taking this, this and that. If people are still rocking with you, cool, but at least be upfront. And he did come out and, you know, he, he stated his apology of sorts. And, and it's like, you know, we're, we're these beings now where it's like, especially these days, it's almost like an apology isn't good enough. I mean, it's like, let the man be, he apologized. 
I mean, I, I guess the question is, though, too, making all this money off of it, you know, what do you go, where do you go from there? You know, as a follower, as a fan, you know, that's where it should really come from. It shouldn't, like, I, I don't follow the guy. I don't, you know, I don't dislike him. I don't care for him. I don't have anything one way or the other. So, you know, an opinion for me probably shouldn't matter. But I think, you know, those that believe in this do, that's where the opinions should matter. Because if you've been buying into the system and now it turns out that he's a phony, it's like, are you still rocking with this dude? If he turns around and says, look, I'm going to do it the right way now. Or do you just say, you know, I'm done with you. Let me go find the next hype train to jump on. Yeah, man. And like that was a brilliant move as far as like PR goes, right? Like the man came out immediately, apologized, recognized it. I said, said whatever he needed to say. And like he said it in, in like, like I used to do the public affairs in my police department. So like, um, just like the way that it all played out is it's it's brilliant because it was like the response was so quick that like it allowed him to keep his fans because you're right people are defending him um had he waited longer and denied the claims and like made more evidence got brought up to him to the point that he was like backed up against the wall and then he eventually had to like say maybe he would have lost more fans or uh I, I don't know. I guess he sells programs or whatever, like like weight loss programs, uh, um, or lifestyle programs. But um, my point being is that like that was brilliant from his part, and like I said, the fact that he still has people defending him is just crazy. That like, dude, <laughs> you know why you weren't losing weight and you were, you know, putting uh, all this meat in your body, um, in your diet, um, is because you weren't taking what he was taking, you know, so. Yeah. And he's also gone on and done a couple of podcasts since I think he was trying to get on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I think Rogan's not really interested. Um, you know, he he's done um, the Andrew Schultz podcast, I believe, you know, and, and you know, they're they're having fun with it. You know, yeah. they, you know, they weren't making light of the situation. But, you know, you, you go on that Andrew Schultz podcast, the jokes are coming. So you got to have thick skin for that. And it seems like, you know what? He, he's all of it from a public relations standpoint he's handling it fine so and i think that goes a long way though like you said it's like he got ahead of it so at this point it's like you know what you know yeah. it'll brush over he he created his own narrative he drove it and um got got you know got in front of it quick quick enough and um like at this point, he's kind of like making fun of the situation, right? Like he's going on all these podcasts and he's, you know, actively saying, you know, what he was doing. So like, and I don't know, man, especially in this, this cancel culture that we live in, that like he could have just went on there basically and he didn't. So there's something to say about that. You know? True. Right. Well, Greg, we've been doing this we're coming up on 90 minutes here and we've been all over the place. This yeah. was, this was fun, dude. I, I want to do this again because it like, I didn't know which direction we we're going to go. And we, we went through a jujitsu journey, police officers training journey, the liver King journey, Batman, like the, the, those are the kind of episodes I like where we can just flow and talk about everything. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was great. So thank you for doing this again. Thanks for having me.
Uh, are there any shout outs or mentions you want to drop before we get out of here? Absolutely, man. Um, to my uh, to my gym, 302 Jiu Jitsu, thank you so much. Uh, if you're in the Delaware area, come by, uh, drop in, and uh, come roll with us. I'll be sure to uh, link them in the, the show notes as well. And I'm pretty sure I used to follow someone, um, someone else out of 302. So I remember I used to do a lot of 302 posts way back in my earlier, at least I used to save them in the queue. So mm-hmm. it's like, and, and it only stuck out because 302, I know that's the area code. And I was like, oh, shit, I know that. <laughs> like, I, I know that place. No. Um, and as always, to everyone, thank you for the support. Thank you so much. We do appreciate you. This is fun. And knowing that people listen and get some sort of enjoyment out of this, it, it makes me feel like, okay, maybe I can't do podcasting sometimes. So I appreciate that. Thank you for the support, y'all. If y'all got any questions, concerns, suggest questions, concerns, suggestions, criticisms, that's the word, criticisms, uh, reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram. You can also find me at Off The Mats Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm all over Instagram. I got a bunch of accounts. But those are the main two for sure that I, I will check as it relates to this podcast. I want to give a big shout out to my good friends over at Nerve Age Radio. Bobby, Chris, Joe. I always want to make sure I say it in the right order because if I say Bobby, Joe, people think that's one person. So Bobby, Chris, Joe, thank you guys you know they got me started with the podcast and life and oh snapping Marilyn phil i'm sorry Marilyn phil he's always a guest on here and somehow i forgot to mention him um but shout out to those guys go check them out on instagram their rage radio ig on instagram also go check out the podcast comes out every thursday sometimes i'm on there and sometimes i say bad words and just nonsense um also big shout out to uh, my other podcast so you like horror it's a scary movie podcast. We talked about Krampus recently and going into 2023, we're actually going to be talking about horror through the decades, starting with the 1920s. So I have a little bit of fun with that. So if you're into scary movies and stuff, go check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it will be a lot of fun. And then my last shout out is to my good friend Paige who runs BJJ mama on Instagram. She now has a uh, social media a marketing program going on called uh, Social Media Strategies in Digital Marketing. So go check her out on Instagram. I'll have her linked in the stories. Uh, just personally working with her. And, you know, when we talk about the, the insights and the numbers, I have 100,000 followers. I think she has like, you know, a couple thousand followers. And her reach is insane. Like I go to her when I need something to get, you know, get out there. So go check out page as well. Um, otherwise, thank you again, everyone. Love you to death. You guys keep listening to the show and I'm going to keep making them. Thanks everybody. And stay safe. y'all. Bye. They Now let me see his song.